Good morning and welcome to Kentucky Heartbeat Radio. I'm your host for the day, Jonathan Rankin, filling in for Tyler Smith. Uh, Tyler will actually be calling us in the second segment when we talk UK football. Um, but uh, just feel free to give us a call on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line at 502-384-1450. Or if you'd like to hit us up on Twitter, just use the ca- hashtag uh, KHB. Or hit us on the Twitter handle at KY underscore heartbeat. Um, we definitely want to just d- dive into some UK talk today. And um, the news that just broke yesterday, um, Kyle Wilcher transferring from the University of Kentucky to Gonzaga. Um I have to say, it's not a surprise to many of us um, that have been following this closely. Um, I will say that I'm a little, little disappointed in it because I f- I, towards the end, I sort of felt like he was going to be there. I, f- I sort of felt like he was coming back. You know, they showed him in like UK stuff, and you try to take that as a little hint that maybe he's coming back. But I just, I just had a real good feeling he was coming back. He wanted to be a part of something special again, like he was two years ago. Um, and uh, I'm just kind of left uh, a little. I don't want to say befuddled because we saw we we knew it was happening, but just just kind of disappointed, not mad, but disappointed. Yeah, I mean, I I think so too. You know, I mean, like especially the longer it went from his visit at Gonzaga, it was like, well, you know, maybe he's really it wasn't that great. Maybe he's you know really reconsidering it, and maybe he was and ended up going Gonzaga. But to me, it feels like you know we've invested so much time and energy in Wiltshire, you know, mm-hmm. as like a player, you know, like last year was supposed to be like his year, you know, here he goes, bigger role, it's going to be better. And it, it ended up, you know, that for a time that was true. And at the end of the year, he he really tailed off. And it was like, well, maybe the wheelchair's going to transfer. And then then that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then I, all of a sudden, it was just like, boom. He basically said, and he called, he said he wanted to come back. Yeah, on Twitter, I think he was like, you know, I'm staying. And then, uh, and then he goes with the Canadian national team. And uh, I, I know there's a few Canadians on, on that team. Is it, who, who, is it Pargo or... Uh, it, it may be, but yeah, Gonzaga has a couple, couple Canadians uh, up there. So I mean, uh, I yeah. guess it makes sense that he would become friends with them and him and not like playing him with and them, Brady but. Heslip up there. Um, but I mean, it, it, it's just I don't know. It um, I'm left a little ambiguous about it. Um, definitely disappointing. He would have gotten some time last year as well, just to, just because coming into next year, we don't have a person that is a dead eye shooter. Now, James Young, pretty good shooter. The Harrisons, they can fill it up, and they're not great at it. I mean, they're good, and they can make it. But Wilcher was going to be a guy that we could really put in in special situations. And he would just be he would be able to, you know, kind of pull the defense a little bit, stretch it. Um, just, just a good role player lost. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, I mean, anytime you have a guy at the four spot who can be a stretch four there, you know, and pull pull one of the guys who would normally be down low, pull them out, to the perimeter, I mean, that's going to open up some space in the offense, you know. And last year, Wiltshire tailed off a little bit at the end of the year shooting the three, but I think everybody knows he is a good shooter. I mean, he, I think like two years ago he shot like 40% from three. So, I mean, he's obviously a very good three-point shooter, and even when he tailed off, it's still like 37%. So definitely well above average from three. So, I mean, that's definitely an element that Wiltshire brings that you don't necessarily have that next year. Mm-hmm. And we're also losing the, uh, the, the big lineup that we could run we could run Randall out there, Willie Colley Stein, Wilcher. Um, let's see, Randall, Wilcher, Willie Colley Stein, um, and then uh, uh, what is his DeAndre? No, I, I'm completely blanking on his <laughs> name right now. Uh, the other center that we brought in, Dakari Johnson. Dakari Johnson. Well, I couldn't I remember that? 
Uh, we play him. Uh, I mean, that's just the most intimidating lineup in the history of basketball. What do you think about it, Perry? It looks good. It looks good because they're all tall and athletic. And the hardest thing about having a big lineup is that three-spot guarding their three-spot. Mm-hmm. They may not be able to match up size-wise, but that speed would be a factor. And if we got a big three that can keep up, we're hard to stop. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's just so disappointing to have him just, just gone like that. But it is what it is. I, I, I'm really going to keep up with it. I've never really kept up with Gonzaga basketball, but now they've given me a reason to. I hope all is well with Kyle as he goes um, goes to Spokane. He's actually moving closer to home as well because he's from, originally from Portland. So that's got to be a plus on the side of it. Um, so just all is well to Kyle. Just hope he does well. And, uh, you know, hope, hopefully he can represent BBN up in Spokane because, you know, as Coach Kyle tweeted out uh, last night, you know, he, he'll always be a part of BBN. And uh, I feel that way. He's just making the move that he has to make. So uh, completely understand it. Uh, we're going to move into some NBA Summer League talk now. Um, and we want to talk specifically about the UK players. But first, let's talk about somebody who's playing in the Summer League just as you would expect him to play in the Summer League. Archie Goodwin. <laughs> would you expect him to shoot like 71% from three? <laughs> Yes, because it's just so crazy. Because that just sounds like something Archie would do. He'll just be like, he, he's so underwhelming. He was so underwhelming at UK. But sometimes he just he just play awesome, and you're just like, where did that come from? Like I was not expecting that at all. Although his free throw percentage is at 58%. His three-point percentage is better than his free throw percentage. Wow. <laughs> he's this year's Josh Selby. No, Josh Selby killed it last year. But, I mean, for Archie, though, I mean, I think he had one game where he was three for three from three. And... All of last season, he only had two games where he made three threes. So, I, I mean, for him to do that, I think is definitely falls under the completely unexpected category. Man, I bet he drove the Vegas lines crazy. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know what to expect from Archie. <laughs> oh, what do we get? But, Mr. Unpredictable. Yeah. I mean, just looking at his line, first game, 13 points. Second game, two points. Third game, 22 points. <laughs> Next game, 10 points. He's all over the place. Um but that is Archie Goodwin. I think I think there's gonna be definitely gonna be a spot for him in the pros. Definitely. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got a, a pro type game. I mean, people have even seen that at UK. I mean, he attempted to guard the best player on the other team and he did a pretty good job at it, except for that one game. But we won't we that'll go without mentioning. But he's just got a pro type game and he'll fit right in, especially in Phoenix. Oh, especially in Phoenix. I'm looking forward to seeing Archie play with Eric Eric Bledsoe a little bit. I my cousin is an LA Clippers fan. He uh he actually just got married and just got back from France. Um, but he he's on the Clipper cushions and they're like a drum line that the Clippers have. Um, and he runs it and everything. And when Eric Bledsoe left for the left for the Suns, I mean, you want to talk about heartbreak. I mean, that's the <laughs> when you are all the way out because he went to UK, big UK fan. Mm-hmm. And he, when you're all the way out in LA, I mean. To have anybody that's associated with the University of Kentucky close to you that you can root for isn't, you know, isn't just doesn't happen. I mean, it's happening more now that we're adding, you know, more and more NBA players to the league, but it just doesn't happen. So I, I, I just thought of my cousin. The fir- first thing when I heard he was going to the, to the Suns, uh, I just thought, oh, that's tough. But good for Bledsoe. You know, I mean, I'm excited for him to be actually go get his own own shot. Um, Marcus Teague, though. I think we talked about it a little bit in the first uh, during the first show, but he has been showing showing what he can do. 
yeah, he's been he's been killing it. Much much improved from last year when he uh, really struggled at times. So, for, I mean, he, he he's been. I think uh, if you would talk to people who watch the league, I mean, I think he's definitely been one of the more impressive impressive players in in the summer league. So, I mean, last year they really could have used him though. I mean, with Derrick Rose out, so now they finally get, finally get him back, and Teague's ready to be the backup. So, but I uh, I saw him going against C.J. McCullum who I thought was probably one of my favorite players to watch just from the tournament games he played in. But he was going at McCullum, and he was showing the rookie what it was. I love like, it. I it love was, it. It was a joy to watch. And, and, and he, that, that's how he is. I mean, he's a bulldog. When he gets on you, I mean, he's very he – I remember him as like just a just a real strong point guard, strong with the ball, not scared to go up against really anybody, mm-hmm. not scared to shoot the ball. Um, which sometimes I didn't want him to do, but you know, a yeah. lot of times he—I mean, he—he he plays with such a confidence and such a drive, and it's just showing in this uh, in the summer league. He's got 18.3 points a game, 4.8 assists. I mean, that's a pretty good stat line going off. Uh, 75% from three. Marcus Teague and Archie Goodwin are are both shooting over 70% from three during the summer league. I, what? What? Mind blown. <laughs> Okay, so uh, it looks like we got a caller on the line. Spokane Sammy is on the line. Spokane, what do you want to talk about today? Hey, hey, Spokane Sammy. What's going on, y'all? Love y'all show. Oh, uh, thanks, Spokane. I want to, hey, guys, uh, I want to weigh in just real quick. Um, Kyle Wiltshire, I, my thoughts on that, and I want to hear what y'all's uh, opinion on this is. Kyle Wiltshire, he's going to sit out a year. Um, he would have sat out a year if he redshirted here with no – no realistic possibility of, you know, just being realistic about of winning a national title at Gonzaga. Is so can we say that he's the sole focus is maybe draft position, you know, and it's just his thoughts on winning, et cetera, et cetera. I want to hear your old opinion on this. Uh, here's what I think about him. He's not the greatest defenders of defenders, excuse me. But he's going to play hard on defense. And he's an exceptional talent on offense. So that's skill-wise, I think he's NBA ready. He's got a little more to work on, footwork, speed, and all that other stuff. But it's really, you guys are really getting a special player offensively. I'm sure his defense will catch up no time. No time at all. With that's the, my question. With that year off. That's my question, Perry. Is who is he guarding and manning up defensively in the NBA? I agree full heartedly about his offensive uh, skill set, his toolbox of offensive talent. But defensively, I don't think he can match up against anyone in the NBA right now. Uh, he it may take him a while, but I think he could if he works on it a lot. He'll he'll be able to play the three spot. Sure, not right away. There's no possible way right away but right now he matches up with he's got some pretty good size to match up with a four uh stretch four and in fact that may be his position right when he's going in but with a little more work he'll he'll be a very large three man in the nba and he'll be able to guard that spot i think he can i mean i think for me All right, guys i think you gotta look at well like, I, sorry go ahead go ahead Spoke. yeah i appreciate the insight guys i'm gonna get off the line but uh Thanks for doing what y'all do. Thanks for the call, Spokane. Um, getting a call from Spokane—that's 
That's something right there. The Gonzaga fans are definitely into into the basketball. They're up on it and everything. As it pertains to Kyle Wiltshire, you just got to think his ambition most likely is to get to the league, and he needs playing time. Now, his senior year, he'd probably get more playing time than he would next year. That's almost guaranteed. But, I mean, you can't guarantee him a lot of playing time in either of those years. I mean, because who knows? I mean, Kyle's class for next year isn't looking as great, but, you know, he's Kyle. He could pull it off. And then Kyle's back to being eighth or ninth on the bench. Um, you know, I mean, that's just that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I don't necessarily disagree with him going to going to Gonzaga. I mean, if he can work on his game, you know, like Olenek said out the year, came out was a beast on offense. You know, first round pick. I mean, for if if Wiltshire can emulate Ryan Anderson, which is what I was going to say earlier, you know, Ryan Anderson isn't a good defender. He's a stretch four. Now he's a better rebounder than Wiltshire is right now, but Wiltshire can work on that. I mean, like. There are things that he can't work on, you know. But, I mean, if he can emulate a Ryan Anderson, stretch four is a pretty popular position in the NBA right now. I mean, it, if you can be a big and shoot the three, the ability, I mean, the spacing that you can add to that offense is is, is a skill. You know, that's definitely something that NBA teams are looking for. Mm-hmm. And as much as it pains me to say, the guy from Duke, was it Kelly? Yeah. He, the guy's a pretty good shooter. Isn't Ryan he? Kelly? Yeah, yeah he is. That's his spot on the floor, stretch four. And he'll draw defenders out, and he's fast enough to just go by people. Yeah, I, m- many people have made the uh, the comparison, or at least in the Kentucky circle, that uh, the comparison of Kyle could be like Dirk. And I've heard many people say, I think, Perry, you've said that, that Kyle could be like Dirk. Yeah, I mean, sure, he's not as big as Dirk, but what's it, like a, another two to three inches? Yeah. Dirk's not very fast. He's just able to get a shot off with spacing. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, Kyle. I mean, uh, Dirk is a little more, a little better. I mean, Dirk. Honestly, I think Dirk's sort of a freak of an athlete to have that touch and yeah. be that big and be able to balance on one leg like that. Oh yeah. But um, but it looks like we got Dwight on the line. Dwight, how you doing today? I'm pretty good. How are you, Mr. Rankin? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, what's on your mind? I was just curious, what do you think about the chances of such a talented team, such as this year's basketball team, having a problem like 2010 where you have all these great athletes but no real spot-up shooters where Wiltshire could have filled in? Do you feel like that might be a problem coming up this year? I mean, yeah, I think uh, I I sort of mentioned that at the beginning. Uh, Wiltshire was like the bona fide three-point shooter on this team. And without him, we don't have anybody that you have real 100% confidence in in making – just, just because when you would see Wiltshire shoot it, it's kind of like when you saw Deron Lamb shoot it. Like if you see him just release it correctly, and I mean, and if he knows it's yeah. good, it's good. And I mean, you just had this innate, just, just this confidence about it. And I don't really feel that with any other player on the team. Now, again, with that, we haven't actually seen them play in actual games. Like I don't get to actually watch all the players while they're in high school. I get to watch the Harrison Twins and Julius Randle because they are, you know, they're stars. And you get to see them play high school. You get to see them actually play a game. But the others, we just don't know. We're just going to have to fill that out and uh, see what happens. Do you think James Young can fill that role of the Deron Lamb-Miller shooter role? I think James Young definitely have the, definitely has the potential to fill that role. Um, I just I don't know if he is as good as a Deron Lamb, um, as good as a shooter as a Deron Lamb or a Darius Miller. But to Darius, uh, he really developed that. Um, I think James will develop that definitely um, as he gets to UK. The, Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks, Dwight. Well, I'll let y'all get back to it. I'm going to have to get things going over here. Uh, 
But I don't like that Neil guy that called in. He's no he's no good for me. Uh well, we don't we don't try to pick sides here at KHB Radio, man. Thanks for the call, Dwight. I think the other thing you have to look at in terms of uh, a guy who can stretch the four is like a Poitras shot 41% last year. Now, he's not going to be able to put up the volume that Wiltshire did, but he may be able to help you space the floor a little bit and, and kind of fill that role. Oh, yeah. It'd just take a little more work, and with some consistency, he'll be able to knock one, maybe two more than he had been last year per game. Yeah, exactly. All right, good discussion, guys. I think we're going to take a quick little break, come back. Uh, we're going to have Tyler Smith on the phone, um, and we're going to talk some U.K. football. We're going to focus on the schedule. So, uh, But just give us a call at 502-384-1450. And, uh, and we're out. Oh, we're, oh okay, we're not going to break. Okay.
Welcome back to Kentucky Heartbeat Radio. If nobody can uh, guess what intro that is, that is Walker, Texas Ranger intro right there. Nice little Chuck Norris shout out to start the day. Um, but if if you're moving out of the area at some point and you still want to listen to the Sports Buzz, just download our app and listen to the Sports Buzz in crystal clear digital quality. Just uh, search 1450 the Sports Buzz in the iTunes app or the Android market. It's powered by InsureMax. Um, and for InsureMax, you just call Chad or Alan Hennessy at 479-4085 for all of your home, auto, and life needs. Uh, now we want to get into some Kentucky football talk, and I think we got Tyler Smith on the line. How are you there? I'm here, fellas. How's it going? It's going pretty well. How's your drive going? I am currently in uh, ATL. Uh, we got here in about four hours. My dad is uh, currently has a lead foot. And uh, uh, we're we're averaging averaging a uh, very nice time. All right, the Mister Smith is an efficient driver. We we always yeah, well, we always that, like to hear that. Better be careful, man. Yeah, that that's was, an understatement. I was a victim of that. Be careful with the lead foot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were, Perry. <laughs> um, Tyler, we're getting into some you know some Kentucky football talk right now, and as we talked about earlier this week. I kind of came out with a statement talking about the Louisville game and how it's, you know, probably not the most important. But so, and we delved into the conversation. We want to basically look at the schedule and just kind of go from most winnable to least winnable, starting at most winnable. And we're just going to figure out the schedule from there. And I, I know you've probably got the schedule on your phone in front of you. We've got the schedule in front of us right here. Um, as we're looking at it, though, I think we've definitely got to t- say that SEC games is most winnable. Definitely not going to be on there. But uh, what what would you say is the most winnable game right now? Start us off. Give us give us the three most winnable games. Well, I mean, it, it it's obvious. So the three most winnable games are uh, Alabama State and uh, Miami of Ohio and uh, WKU. Those would be your three most winnable games for uh, Steve Tennis' first year. After that, the rest of the games are pretty much a toss-up. I mean, not a toss-up, but it's going to be uh, extremely difficult for Stoops and company to to win any of the other ones. I mean, yeah, I have to agree with you on that. Um, if we're going to pick the fourth easiest game, the fourth most winnable, I think it's probably going to be between Tennessee and Missouri. Um, we've got both those games at home, so we're probably going to find out more about which game is winnable as the season progresses. Um but Hunter, you got any thoughts about the schedule? About you know where we might slip up, where we might actually make a shock, anything like that? I, I mean, I think that, uh, like you said, the the Missouri game and the Tennessee game definitely would qualify as as the two most winnable SEC games. I, I think the Missouri game is pretty interesting because uh, I think a lot of UK fans are kind of like, yeah, Missouri, we can definitely beat Missouri, no problem. But I mean, you know, the SEC media picked Missouri to finish ahead of us, and understandably, I mean, Missouri. Has a you know not a great team by their standards, but you know Gary Pinkle's got a good team. So I mean, it could be a tough game. I mean, it really wouldn't be a shock to go three and uh, whatever the remaining games are. So, uh, oh, of course, of course, and, and you've got to think that they picked Missouri because I mean Missouri's got a little better football history recently yep. than Kentucky, and, and when they do preseason predictions like that, as they go to the lower guys, they basically just pick of who was good last year. I mean, they don't focus on all that too much. Um, but as as I keep looking at this schedule, I want to say uh, I want to say Mississippi State. Man, this if you I mean talk about just the hardest schedule 
in, in college football. And I mean, I know it's been said many times, this is just a gauntlet. I mean, Tyler, talk about just how how this schedule is going to play out because we've got to play in consecutive weeks. Louisville, Florida, go to South Carolina, and then we come back home and get Alabama. I, this yeah, that's that's a uh, that's a uh, that's pretty much Armageddon right there for for any team. <laughs> I mean, right? There's no doubt I, about that. What is that? Four top ten teams, four top twelve teams. Um, that that that's going to be difficult. Uh, if you get one of those games, which I would say you have a ten percent shot to win all or to win one of those games. Um, if you win one of those, then I would say Stoops and company are going bowling with season. Oh. But if you come out of that stretch going into that next bye week, if you if you're most likely going to be two and four going into that stretch, but if you can somehow be three and three going into the rest of the rest of the schedule, then you have absolutely set yourself up for a for a potential bowl bowl uh, uh, visit. Yeah, actually, I like I like how you're saying we're three and three. So let's work with the three and three after after the first six games. Um, first game after that is at Mississippi State. Now that's gonna, that's going to be a yeah. tough game. That's going to be a tough game. Is it winnable? Well, you say that. You say that Kentucky's going to be on, on, coming off a bye, and that's going to be a short week for Mississippi State because they are going to be have to have played. Uh, I want to say Alabama or somebody LSU right before that, or like we're in between a couple of really difficult games, a couple of uh, really difficult games for them. So somehow maybe they overlook Kentucky. Jalen Whitlow or Max Smith is really starting to come into their own, and Kentucky is is primed for an upset down in Starkville on Thursday night football on on ESPN in front of a national crowd. But the opposite can be said: Kentucky could be on their fourth string quarterback as a walk on. We have no wide receivers because we just went through Jadavian Clowney, the entire Alabama defensive line. And we don't have anybody else left, and we could get absolutely run off the field on uh, national television. So, like you said, this season is going to be extremely difficult to figure out. Um, Stoops has brought a lot of excitement, but we really don't know uh, how that's going to transition to the field. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be—it's going to be really interesting to fill out this season, just to see what happens if we do get to that three and three mark, and. The optimism that I'm feeling from Tyler Smith is just abundant, and that's all he is. He's 100% UK optimism. Um, if we if we can pull off that win against Mississippi State, and we're four and three going into Alabama State, that means we're five and three going into Missouri, and that's a winnable game. I mean, we're talking about six and three going at Vanderbilt. I mean, this is this is sort of almost crazy talk, but I, I like how the conversation's going. I like where your head's at, Tyler. Well, you, you say that. I was trying to give the opposite side too. I think I think uh, Kentucky's got to shoot for at minimum two and four going into the the rest of the rest of the uh, season because that first stretch is an absolute gauntlet. And uh, um, but the the back end of the schedule is uh, very winnable. I, I I don't think there's any shot Kentucky wins at Georgia, so you've got to count that as a loss. So that means you've got to win. Four out of the next five games. Four out of those five games. If you're shooting for two and four, so I'm I'm saying if Kentucky goes four and eight this year, Kentucky fans should be very happy. And it's, if they're, they, we just want to see competition on the field. We don't want to see Vanderbilt coming into Commonwealth again and losing or get beating us by forty. So I think Kentucky fans know the season's going to be difficult. 
if we go to a bin that uh, uh, a bowl, then that's just icing on the cake. But if we're competitive and make it fun, the fans are going to come out and support the team. Yeah, I think I'm in total agreement with you, and I think uh, Coach Stoops actually addressed that at uh, SEC Media Day. He understands that you know there's a lot of there's a lot of hype around the program, but the educated Kentucky fan will understand that um, that I mean this year's just not going to be what we hope it could be because there's just so much excitement and. The fact of the matter is, like the team that we're going to put on the field, it's just not very good. I mean, that's I mean, there's just yeah. no beating around the bush. They're just not very good. Yeah. Um, you 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 all talked about in in the last show with uh, Mark, um, quarterback situation. You all know uh, the rest of Louisville doesn't know. I am extremely high on Jalen Whitlow. I think what I saw at the spring game, and yes, it was a spring game. But from what I saw of him, he looked mentally there. He's always been fast, but whenever you're a freshman in SEC play, you kind of don't know what's going on. And now he looks to uh, he looks to know what's going on. He looks like he's re, uh, reacting instead of overthinking, which makes you even more faster. So I think that uh, I think I would love to see Jalen out there. As Mark said, we're going to be low on playmakers. So that's just one more playmaker out there that uh, Stoops, can, Stoops and Brown can have uh, in their arsenal. So, Yeah, I think that's a great point about Jalen Whitlow and more of a point about the SEC. Um, adjusting to life in the SEC is, is, is so much more mental. I mean, it's very physical. We all understand that. And I don't know if I'd necessarily say it's more mental, but there, you have to adjust to what you're seeing every day. I mean, you are seeing just world-class athletes for their size just you're, uh, on the other side of the ball. And that's a scary thing to deal with when, when you're just a young kid coming into SEC football. You've got, you've got to be able to think quicker. You've got to be, you, you can't be as intimidated. I mean, there's a definite adjustment period, and Jalen Whitlow is showing that you know, not, everybody has to, not everybody has to adjust to it. Some people can just go right in and play and do well. Yeah. I think something else that's going to be uh, key this year is I think Kentucky's defensive line is going to be one of the best in the SEC. I don't think people know about Zadarius Smith yet, but when they're they're going to they're going to uh, know about him pretty soon whenever he takes the field. I think he might be a top three defensive end in the in the Southeastern Conference, and you'll you, we will only see him for one year. This kid is an absolute freak of an athlete. He he looks every bit of the part to a Jadavian Clowney. He might not be as fast, but the kid is an absolute monster. And then you've got Bud Dupree on the other side, who is an all-SEC preseason. Um, And then, I mean, you've got Mr. Cobble and Dante uh, Rumpf down in the middle who are just two massive defensive tackles. And, yeah, uh, we've got a really nice starting uh, line, but we've got some depth back there, too, that Stoops has added with Tristan Johnson and a couple of these guys. We had uh, Jason... Oh, uh, from Trinity that just signed the four-star that they signed from that flipped from USC. I think you're going to see him get some time too. So I think I think this defensive line is going to finally not get pushed all over the field. I think that's going to be a big key. Yeah, I think the name you're looking for is Jason Hatcher, and I I, I forgot about Hatcher, him. Hatcher, Hatcher, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's gonna he's gonna be really excited, exciting to see. Um, wearing that blue and white. Uh, thank you for bringing up Zaria Smith. I remember when we were in the media room at uh, yep. after the spring game, and 
in walks Darius Smith, about a head higher than every other football player. It seemed like. I mean, he, the, the guy. I mean, he he looked almost like he looked like he wasn't human. He was just that big, and it caught me off guard because we're just not used to seeing that type of player at Kentucky. Mm. You're just not used to seeing no. that. No, I mean, I'm six foot five, and the kid was three inches taller than I was. So, and he, and he's not fat. I mean, this kid is just chiseled, and he, I mean, he was just blowing past our offensive line. So, I don't know if that's a good thing, or if that just means our offensive line is just really bad, which I'm hoping it's the, it's the, uh, the Darius is just that good. Well, I'm hoping that too. Um, as far as, the, you talk about the defensive line. What I really like about the defensive line being good is that Stoops doesn't have to worry about the defensive line as much, and he can focus on the secondary, where we're definitely going to be very vulnerable because that's his specialty. Um, you know, ha- having coached at Miami when he was this, the cornerbacks coach there when they were CBU, um, I just I, I'm very I'm very grateful that, that that we're put in this situation, even though um, our defense isn't the best. We still we're still sort of you know we're we're just trying to just trying to uh, just adjust to everything I think I think our secondary is going to be better than what people think I think our secondary we they were absolutely depleted last year so that gave Cody Quinn and a couple of these young freshmen true freshmen time to get uh, acquainted coming into this season and now Stoops has added uh Guys like Nate Willis and Jaleel Heights and uh, um, Marcus uh, McWilson, some of these top four-star defensive ta- uh, players that can uh, uh, not have to be impact players immediately, but can come off the bench and uh, really make some plays. So I think the one area of concern on the defense is the linebacking core. Other than Avery Williams, uh, Williamson, they're going to be uh, very short-handed. So that's going to be the one area of concern I think Stoops is going to see uh, throughout this year. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with I agree with that. But um, one other thing that I think Stoops mentioned at Media Day was he was talking about how when he came in, these guys were just uh, he used the term just beat down. You know, not a lot of confidence. They did they 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 actually believed that they weren't good football players. They they thought they were bad. And he said one of the things you just have to instill the mentality. That we are a very good football team and we can beat these guys, um, and I think just just being able to add that to the defense, just give the defense some swagger. Just just I just want them to have some an, an attitude and go out on the field just with the attitude that you know what, these guys might be some of the best athletes in the world, but I play in the same league too. So I mean, yeah. So you got to give me that credit and let's play ball. Before I uh, jump ship here, I wanna I wanna kind of chime in on this Kyle Wiltshire talk that y'all are that right. y'all have been discussing yeah. this morning. Yeah, you y'all, do that y'all and then we'll head to comparing him. Y'all y'all been comparing him to possibly a Dirk or Perry's been talking about his foot speed and I think Kyle is an incredible individual, incredible young man. He's got his head on straight. I think Kyle uh, and the caller brought up earlier that his foot speed is an absolute issue. I don't know how much of that he can work on, um, but I think Kyle's got to uh, focus on being somebody like a Matt Bonner in the NBA. If you look at their college stats, they're extremely similar. They're both 6'10". They don't rebound the ball well, but they have a niche. The Spurs love Matt Bonner, and uh, um, 
use him in certain areas to spread the floor so players like Tony Parker can get into the teeth of the defense. Kyle's not going to be an NBA superstar or a college superstar, but he can absolutely make a roster if he continues. He's got to become lethal from three. He was extremely streaky last year, and when he's on, he's the best shooter in college basketball. But when he's not, then he's, a, he's an absolute liability, and Vanderbilt proved that because they just isolated Kyle out on the wing and just went one-on-one at him. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good comparison, Matt Bonner. I, th- I knew you were going to make that comparison. It's typical of Spurs Of course fan. he did. Yeah, Spurs thanks. fans. <laughs> you would bring up the Spurs every single time. You of course. <laughs> of course I am. All right. Well, thanks for calling in, Tyler. Enjoy uh, your vacation. Uh, have fun. Um, thanks, come back, thanks, come back with some, uh, Come back with some great stories for us. All right. Thanks, guys. Hold the fort down for me. Definitely. All right. We're going to go to break right now. This is Kentucky Heartbeat Radio.
Welcome back to Kentucky Heartbeat Radio. That is the lovely TLC talking about they don't want no scrubs, and obviously there are no scrubs on the Kentucky football, um, the Kentucky football season this year. It's going to be terrible. But uh, just give us a call with your thoughts about it at the 502-384-1450 on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line. Um, actually, Oxmoor Ford, Ford service with a free shuttle service and a clean, comfortable customer lounge with free Wi-Fi, big screens, business center, and friendly people. So Oxmoor Ford, they're doing well. Um, now we want to get into a nice little topic that I think a lot of UK fans love. Um, uh, it, we're de- oh, we've, we've got a caller. We've got somebody on the phone. Sam, are you there? Hey, this is John Martin, your SMC comrade. What's going on, gentlemen? Good day. How's it going, man? Hey, man, just wanted to chime in real quick. First of all, uh, primetime selection with the TLC No Scrubs. Oh, thank you. Courtesy of Aaron Jackson. That's, uh, that's just uh, play calling 101. Well, all right. <laughs> Anything about Okay, so real, real quick, uh, just wanted to mention, I had one uh, comment about Zadarius Smith, and I'm uh, going to restrict myself from not name-dropping here, but I do, I intern with a starter on our defense, and I actually asked him that question earlier in the summer, and I said, Listen, man, is Zadarius that good defensively, or is our offensive line just porous? And, you know, I was very curious about that. And his response was, he was like, listen, man, the dude's, the dude's an animal. He's got size. He's got speed. And Rankin, like you said, he's just a superhuman. The man is a super freak, a super freak. And, uh, yeah, I just want to chime in and kind of give a little – background on uh the Darius but yeah I'll let you all get back to it well thanks John um it's always good to hear from the actual players what uh, what the other players are like because you know they they're they're gonna be real with you they will tell you what is what and uh if that's coming from one of our starting offensive or defensive players that Zadarius is just a beast and can take almost anybody then yeah, I, I'm going to go with that. I, I, I love it, and I'm, it gets me even more excited to see him. I just can't wait to get back into Commonwealth. Um, I, I'm looking for it to be 70,000 strong again, but uh, I don't know. I'm just, it's, it's, uh, it just feels like it's been so long. But uh, I think we're going to jump into a discussion about jersey retirement at UK, and I know we all have strong feelings about this. Um, we haven't retired a jersey in a, in a, in a bit, and yeah, we, since Jamal Mashburn. Since Jamal Mashburn. Yep. Wow. When was that? Uh, I'm I, not sure when he. I mean, when the retirement was, but I mean, obviously he was what 94. Yeah, so. and we haven't retired anybody since. No. And I mean, I, 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 the, the name that pops in my head that you have to retire right now is is Tony Delk. I mean, Perry, back me up on this. I think Tony Delk is the number one right now. Anybody else you thinking of? No, he would be the first person I I would think of even now, in. I'm guessing his mid thirties. He's still a heck of a shooter. That's incredible. But yeah, from when he was playing, you had just have to retire that jersey. Yeah, I think uh, I think nowadays people really look at Tony Delk as a person that you really you just want to see that rafter up there. Um, Tayshawn Prince as well. Um, he didn't have, you know, he didn't have the career that Tony had in terms of winning championships and everything. But in terms of being just an absolute Loved by the fans. Tayshawn is... I know many people, I'll just ask them, who's your favorite UK player ever? 
almost a majority will say Tayshawn Prince. Almost a majority. And, I, I mean, I, that's not a lot. I mean, people love Tayshawn because he was soft-spoken and he could stroke the three. And, you know, if you can if you can make the shot without having to, you know, tell somebody I'm going to make the shot, we just we love that at Kentucky. Just absolutely love that. I would put him in there just solely on his performance against North Carolina. <laughs> Five threes in a row, that's insane. Yeah. And one was from the logo at midcourt. No kidding. I was I was happy, ecstatic. Every great adjective in the book, I was ecstatic to wear the number twenty one. Knowing that it was available, like, oh, okay, this guy's awesome. It's Tayshawn. Of course, of course. I didn't know that, Ferry. I didn't know that you were you got so excited about twenty one because of Tayshawn. Oh yeah. I I, I I agree with Aaron about the UNC thing because UNC, they're my all time most hated team. Like I, I over over Louisville, over Duke, maybe not Tennessee. Probably Tennessee in basketball. But uh I, UNC is the one that I just can't stand. So if he can do that against UNC, sign him up, put him in there. Done deal. See, I have a lot of respect for UNC. I, you know, it's fun to hate Louisville. It's fun to hate Tennessee. But I see, you know, program similarities with UNC. Um, it's, it's, it's fun to hate them also, just like it is a lot of teams we play on a yearly basis. But I have a, so much respect for UNC. It's kind of hard to hate them in a deep, deep way like a Louisville. Well, well that's where we're going to disagree. Because I, I just, I just, Louisville is a team that uh, I, I dislike Louisville. Uh, kind of like the, if you remember, if, if anybody remembers the uh, YouTube video of the Alabama fan talking about how he hates Tennessee, when he says he just dislikes Auburn, but he hates Tennessee. That's how I feel about, I dislike Louisville. I hate North Carolina. I just don't, just, I just feel like they just have a, a very, just a very uppity sense, like they're better than ever. they think they're the best program of all time, and they have six national, five national championships, six national championships, and we've got eight. UCLA's got eleven, and they they've got Jordan. They think they're great because of that. I, as you can tell, I do not like North Carolina very much, but more all. than Duke, they do have more than Duke. No, I mean like you hate them more than Duke. Yes, yes, I, I definitely hate them more than Duke. See, I, I just I just don't get that. I don't see that either. Well, let's put it this way: we don't play Duke every year. True. We, we rarely play Duke, and because of that, I don't hate Duke as much. Um, but since we play UNC virtually every year, except for the last, I mean, I, they're just and they're and it's always a good game. I just uh, they rub me the wrong way. Oh yeah, I I can agree with you. I, I don't like UNC a whole lot more than I hate Duke, just because it's it's firsthand. Like I've never played Duke at all in my career, mm-hmm. but I still hate them. <laughs> I've seen UNC for four years straight, and the greatest thing was that last year when we played them with in Anthony Davis's year, and they just knew they were coming in here to win. And no, they got the door shut on them. Yeah, I, I'll I'll remember um, when I was I was still at I was at UK, and we were going. It was the year that John Wall, Patrick Patterson, Cousins, that whole team. It was the uh, I, I stood out in the cold for three hours. Getting waiting to get in the eruption zone. I got in there third, uh, was like third or fourth row, and I've never I've never been more excited in my life about Kentucky basketball. I've never seen an arena that pumped up when John Wall when they threw the oop to Patterson and we went up, uh, we went up. I don't know. We we went on such a run that game. We could have been up twenty or fifteen. The place erupted. I've never. It just seems. I just remember it as a blur now, just because I was just so excited. There was so much noise. It, 
that in that is what I just love about Kentucky basketball. Being able to go to Rupp and beat somebody great on your home court, it really just makes me feel so proud to be a part of Big Blue Nation. Something about that year is just insane. To, I mean, we were the same year, me and Rankin and Hunter in college. And our freshman year was Billy G's last year. So all of our home games were, you know, no offense to Perry over there. They were a little rough at times. Oh, but God. the John Cow year, it was just like a rejuvenation, and it was, uh, yeah. it was pretty insane to be there. I remember, and I know you guys can say this, uh, Perry, you didn't feel it because you got to go to the games and, you know, play in them. Gillespie year, how, how good were the tickets in the, during the games during Gillespie year? I got, I got some of the best seats during the Gillespie year. The Tennessee game, I had front row seats. Cal comes in, I'm going to, I'm going to a third of the games I was going to during Gillespie, if that much. It's just it just tells it shows how much we just disliked Gillespie and <laughs> and just how much cow that instant impact. Greatness drives up the price. <laughs> but I, I think not to jump back to the Jersey retirement, but uh, you mentioned Wall Cousins, Anthony Davis, those guys. Okay. To me, like obviously Anthony Davis was player of the year nationally. And and even though he was there for the one year, to me that's that's big time. To me, that is a Jersey retirement yeah. type of thing, and and on Wall, both Wall and Cousins were were first team All Americans, I, I think. But Wall to me was almost the embodiment of what Coach Cal was bringing to UK, and, and to me, he was just that player that like defined that. You know, you had everybody doing the John Wall. You know, he's on the cover of magazines. You know, it's like Kentucky is back, mm-hmm. and and so to me, like you know, even though he left after his first year, you know, he's number one overall pick, but to me, he is the embodiment of what Coach Cal brought to Kentucky. And so for me, I would love to see his jersey in the rafters, not just because it's number 11, that's my favorite number, you know. Mm-hmm. But I just think that, you know, for just he just brought everything back. It was like the player that, like, summarized everything that he brought. Yeah, I, I definitely have to agree with that. It, it, he was this, it was such a symbol of just us coming back that I think you have to put John Wall, I mean— in there, I mean, and over Demarcus Cousins, honestly, it's got to be John Wall. Um, I mean, he was the best player, but just John Wall had some excitement to him. And the fact of John Wall, think about John Wall is you go back and watch his high school videos. He's the best player I've ever seen play in high school. I, I better better than anybody coming out today, or maybe before him. I didn't really watch LeBron a whole lot when uh when he was in high school. Watching Wall do what he can do while in high school, I was amazed. I couldn't believe we were getting this guy. Though his speed from end to end was, it blew me away. I could not believe it. And the fact that we were able to get him was just amazing. Uh, I remember the recruitment of John Wall. It was, it was down, it was down to the wire. Yeah. And we were all, we didn't know. I, I mean, we were confident, but we didn't know. Mm-hmm. And you, you would expect to see something what. When you do see it, a player like that, you would expect that, oh, he's going to be arrogant when he comes in. Not at all. Not in the least bit. First one in the gym, last one to leave, always working on his game. Like, this kid's going to be a great pro. He was first one in the gym, last one to leave all the time. Wow. Every time. I mean, you you see on Twitter that those guys talk about how they want to get better, how they want to work. But, I mean, the fact that they, I mean, they don't don't just preach it. I mean, they do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, uh, it's it's such a mental game now. You have to want to get up and do it. And uh, I just think Coach Cal has really instilled in these guys that drive and that passion because he's been there, and uh, he's done it. And he and he knows he knows what it takes. Um, 
to Anthony Davis, though, I think you I think he's got to be up there, and I almost want to say Michael Kidd-Gilchrist as well because I love everybody loves MKG. Yeah, I think everybody does. Yeah, but Davis, he was he was just such a an embodiment of just great athleticism. Brought us back, led us to him and MKG really led us to that national championship. I think it would be uh, discourteous to him to do that. Um, but uh, great show, guys. Um, this hour, it seems like it just flew by. Yeah. Absolutely flew by. It's been a lot of fun, though, uh, being able to sit with Mark in the two hours before on the weekend sports buzz. Um, but that'll do it for this week's edition of KHB Radio. If we didn't get to your call today, just call back next week on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line to chat UK athletics. So for Aaron Jackson, Hunter Bricky, and Perry Stevenson, I'm John Rankin. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you at KentuckyHeartbeat.com.